1: In today's message, Elder Buddy Abernathy continues in Revelation chapter 2, preaching from the letter to the church at Ephesus about leaving our first love. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Pulpit. Down at the feet of Jesus.
2: we oh,
0: Have you ever wondered why the more conveniences we have to save time, the less time we have available? Have you ever wondered that? You know, my father was born in 1912, the year the Titanic sank. They had to get up and gather wood and build a fire in the stove and... You know, they had to use uh, flour and whatever other ingredients they had to uh, cook biscuits, and they had to go gather eggs and cook the eggs. You know, you couldn't pick cotton all day on pop tarts. That didn't last very long. You' ever thought, I mean, you needed a big breakfast if you were going to pick cotton all day. It was a big deal. Well, now we're convenience to death, aren't we? You can now open what I do, an instant oatmeal package and put it in the microwave and in less than a minute I can eat breakfast. So why don't I have all this available time? They did that to save time. Oh, your smartphone will save time. You can pay your bills online. Any of you, did any of you notice that when you got a smartphone, you just had all this available time all of a sudden? I didn't. You know what happens?
3: Satan's got us on a treadmill. The more time you save, the more other things
0: you'll add to your schedule. Some people say, well, I don't, have, you know, I don't have time to call them this morning, but I can call them on the way to work. You see, you, just, you take up time that was otherwise available for praying on the way to work. Now you're making phone calls on the way to work, and that just adds more stress too, doesn't it? Now that problem's easy to identify. It may not be easy to correct, But it is easy to identify. Well, I believe the problem here at the church at Ephesus is probably right up there with that problem. But this is solely spiritual and often unnoticed. You know, it's easy to take pride if you're not careful. Well, I attend all the meetings. And I try to, and I hope you do too. I like what a preacher said one time. He said, I don't know where people got the idea that when you join the church, attendance is optional. Now, I know some of you have situations. I understand that some of you uh, live further away, have health problems. I'm not getting on to anyone. You know your situation. See, I know I can be here on first and third Wednesday night. I know that. (laughs) Now, if I was 75, 80, 90 years old and had a problem with vision, the Lord knows I couldn't come. But see, I know I can be here. You know your situation. You may say, well, I'm there every time that I'm able to be there. But you can do all the right things And not be close to the Lord. You know, the first church I served, I was only 25 years old. I did everything I could think of to try to get the church's name out there in community. I preached on the radio. I wrote for three newspapers. I did a newsletter. I regularly visited the members. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But if you don't take in spiritual nourishment, you won't have spiritual energy. You can do a lot of stuff. You know, even a preacher that's fully supported by the church and is not not required to have a secular job can just fill up his time with doing things. Yes, we should visit the members. There's a lot of things we need to do, but I tell you, we need to prioritize and make our central focus our personal devotion to the Lord. Prayer in the Word. And if you think it hurts to hear this, think about how much it hurts to preach it when you know you're guilty. So if you're ever tempted to say, well, Brother Buddy, Brother Chris, they're just getting on to me. Well, we're usually getting on to ourselves
3: more than we are you. So keep that in mind. He said, you've left your first love. Now, I think it's important that we consider the history of this church.
0: appreciate this concept and that we might realize more how this could be us. You see, it had been approximately 40
3: years since this church had been established. About 40 years. Let's take a young couple, take a couple in their mid-20s and maybe the Lord
0: blesses them with a child. Forty years from now, they may be grandparents. In other words, their little child has now grown, more than grown. See, a couple of generations have went by. You remember the example brother Chris gave about the king, and I don't remember the details, he can go over it with if he so desires, but about the king in the Old Testament, he got bothered, he got offended by something, and so as a result, his son didn't go to church, and as, and as a result, his son's son didn't know anything about it. I don't know if that's exactly right, but that's the, the general idea you see is, From one generation to the next, we start losing it.
3: Now, they hadn't lost a lot of people, evidently, but they had lost something. You know, the Lord
0: blessed us with something about 10 years ago, didn't
3: He? I don't want to lose that. I don't want to take the church for granted. You know,
0: somebody once told me, well, brother buddy, you, we need to get out there and witness more. You know what? Your family is your greatest witness. Your family's devotion to the Lord is your greatest witness. And if the Lord brings you to to bring up several children who fear the Lord and they marry someone that fears the Lord, look at what you are passing on. Look how you are helping to save the culture. You're you're passing along the truth. And there will be more families that are good, moral, well-structured families. Now, we'll only look at a little bit of this today, and we'll see how the Lord leads us. But you see what the problem is, and I'm ashamed to say I already have this problem. I'll let you answer for yourself. I don't want to get like Brother Chris and start confessing everything, but, you know, I I admit I've already got this problem. Let's go back to the book of Acts. You know, the thing about the book of Acts, it's the one book in the new testament which is a history of the first century of the church and it's an inspired history so we know it's not shaded one way or the other you know if i was going to write a history of the primitive baptist i would paint us in a positive light even if i didn't want to i probably would you know that's just the way we are that's one reason you know the Bible's inspired, because David probably wouldn't tell a lot about what he did. Solomon wouldn't tell a lot about what he did in his later days, but, the, but God does. Well, this is an inspired history of the church, and so we know it's true. Notice beginning in Acts chapter uh, 18 and verse 19. This is the first time, and if you can prove me wrong, that'll just, I'll feel better because I know you're searching the Scriptures to see if these things are so. But in Acts 18, uh, verse 19, I believe this is the first reference to Ephesus. And it's speaking of Paul, and it says, And he came to Ephesus and left them there, speaking of Aquila and Priscilla. Paul came to Ephesus and left Aquila and Priscilla there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Now, Aquila and Priscilla were brought with him, and they dwelt there, but evidently he alone, without them, went into the synagogue. I believe that's what he's saying. Now, a synagogue was simply to the Jews what the church is to us today. The synagogue could refer to the building or the gathering of people there. The only difference, really, as far as we're concerned, is the synagogue pertained to the Jews, and the church pertains to New Testament worshipers, Jew and Gentile. It's interesting that these synagogues were located in wicked cities.
3: You know, there was the great goddess Diana of the Ephesians. And notice it says
0: in chapter 19 and verse 27, in reference to Diana, it says, All Asia. And the whole
3: world, or all Asia and the world, worshipeth. Now, I haven't
0: worshipped her. You haven't worshipped her. It says the world did. That's a good indication when we're talking about other subjects that world doesn't always mean everybody without exception. That's right. I've never bought a little idol of Diana of the Ephesians. I have a lot of other idols but I don't have a little statue of Diana in my house, but it says, Asia and the world worshipeth. That just simply means this was was a broad thing. This was common that most folks worship Diana. We could go into a lot of detail, but suffice it to say, this was an idol god that many Greeks worshipped.
3: They had many false gods. But notice Paul went into the synagogue, a place
0: where the Jews worshipped and reasoned with the Jews. This is in Ephesus. There are Jews there and Paul reasoned with them. He didn't argue with them. He didn't criticize what they believed. He reasoned with them. Verse 20, When they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he considered not but bade them farewell. Now evidently this
3: was a very brief visit. I want you to see how this church developed. If your church was started
0: by the Apostle Paul, that's that's a pretty good place to start, isn't it? He went into the synagogue of the Jews. That's a good place to go. Because that was the true worship of God in the Old Testament. And those were the ideal people to be receptive to the gospel. They're the ones that should have been prepared to receive it. And Paul went where they were. And he says he reasoned with them. And evidently it was a very profitable thing because it says they desired him to tarry longer time with them.
3: But he bade them farewell. Now, look what happens next. Verse 24. And a certain Jew named
0: Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Now, we're not going to talk about that subject matter, the baptism of John. I believe the Lord's given me some light on it recently, but that's not our subject. I just want you to see, Paul bade them farewell, but now this... Jew, a certain Jew named Apollos. Notice he was an eloquent man. He was a good speaker. He was mighty in the Scriptures. He knew the Word of God. Oh, I long to be that way more, don't you? To be mighty in the Scriptures. Whether you're a man, woman, or child, it should be our desire to be mighty in the Scriptures. In other words, we know the Scriptures. We can handle the Word of God. That's the way Apollos was, though we'll find out he was a young man. And it says in verse 26, And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, the same place Paul had been. Whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Now I want you to think about this as it applies to the church today. Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers. And you remember that Paul worked with them sometimes. Now here it says that uh, they took Apollos unto themselves. You see, Apollos, had he was off on something. And it regards the baptism of John. But suffice it to say, he needed some more insight. He needed some more understanding. And they, as mature, well-read, established members at the church at Ephesus, husband and wife, took a young preacher into their home and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. That means more completely. In other words, it shouldn't be considered unusual that if a young, zealous preacher gets off mark, that it's not necessarily the pastor's job to persuade him. See, every member of the church ought to be able to handle the Word of God. You say, well, I'm new to the church. Well, we're to, we, you can grow, you see. That's what we're supposed to do. As newborn babes, we're to desire the sincere milk of the Word, that we may grow thereby. That should be our desire. So here they didn't have a pastor oh they had the great apostle paul start them on the right track but now this young zealous preacher comes along that's off on some things but aquila and priscilla they're established they don't run him off they don't say we don't believe what you preach they take him in their home and show him the way of the lord more perfectly Now notice what happened. Verse 27. And when he, Apollos, was disposed to pass into Achaia, that's where Corinth was, among other churches, when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, this is the brethren Among the Ephesians there, the brethren in the church, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples, that is the disciples in Achaia, to receive Him, who when He was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. Notice we find a pattern here that we ought to follow. And I believe we're trying to follow this pattern.
3: Now, Brother John Morgan's not here today, but he's the one young preacher we have among us.
0: If John Morgan was off on some things, I trust that it would be our desire to get him on track. But you see, if we had not as a church liberated him, that is, as a body said, we believe this man is sound in the faith, we would not, it would not be proper and in good order to send him to preach other places. But you see, Aquila and Priscilla said, we think he's all right. Apollos is on track, and it wasn't just Ap- I mean, it wasn't just uh, Aquila and Priscilla that said this. It says when he went to Achaia, it says the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples in Achaia to receive him, who when he was come helped them much, which had believed through grace, for he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures
3: that Jesus was Christ. So let's notice this history
0: thus far. And there's a lot more to it that we won't be able to get to. Paul met with some disciples. And by the way, this wasn't a large group. Notice in verse 7 of chapter 9, it says, And all the men were about twelve. You know, we sometimes get discouraged. others there's just a few of us. You know, we meet here on Wednesday night sometime, and there may be about twelve of us. Well, I'm not saying this justifies small numbers, but this this was recorded in inspired scripture. This wasn't a mega church that was left on record. This was a group of 12 disciples left on record in the inspired word of God for us to learn from. That's why Jesus said, fear not little flock. Now, I've heard preachers say that when the church had been going down in members and they got down to two or three members and there wasn't any interest and they would say, fear not, little flock. That's not the time to say that. You see, we've had growth here, but still in the eyes of the religious world, we're nothing in terms of numbers. We're just a little flock. You know, I don't think I've talk to anybody in the denominational world yet whose average church membership is less
3: than ours. I don't think I have. There were 12. But these 12
0: had been reasoned with by Paul. He didn't stay there very long. But then comes along this young preacher who was off on some things, and Aquila and Priscilla made the difference. Somebody could have criticized him. Somebody could have ran him off. Somebody could have said, you're not sound. You see, we get into all kinds of trouble when we don't do all things with love.
3: Apollos was won over, converted. Converted. So much so that they felt comfortable
0: to send letters to churches in another area recommending him that they put confidence in his gift. And when he went to those other churches, he helped them much which had believed through grace. Remember it said he was mighty in the scriptures. Therefore, he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures
3: that Jesus was Christ. Now we're going to stop there today. But you see how this church started? Paul started it.
0: A young preacher comes along. A husband and wife who are members of the church make the difference in his ministry. He then is sent to another region and he, he accomplishes much there.
3: How is it? that this small group who only had 12 members at this time,
0: then 40 years later, Jesus would say, if you don't repent, I'm going to come and remove the candlestick
3: quickly. You see how this could apply to us? Where are we going to be in 40 years? You
0: young people, you're going to be senior citizens in 40 years. I'm not going to be here in 40 years. Unless I'm, what, 98? I doubt if I'll be here in 40 years. You see, the church will be a a different group of people, and you children will be at a totally different place in your life. It'll be a different church. So what we do now and over the next 20 years and 30 years is going
3: to affect whether or not we are still in our first love.
0: Now if we start arguing, if there's jealousy in the pulpit, if somebody wants to be in charge of things, we can be assured. In 40 years, it won't be here. I can name you a church right now that lasted about 40 years. From the time it started to the time it closed, and I know exactly why it closed, there was strife among men and young members started saying, I don't want to go if they're just going to argue all the time. Let us pray the Lord will save us from that and the key to it is to keep your personal devotion with the Lord strong. Humble yourselves. Pray that he'll help you subdue that old carnal man and walk in the Spirit as you are among the other members of the church.
1: Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com.